Welcome to the Funnel Story Podcast. Today's my guest is Shriki Gilad, who is the founder of Dscope and earlier was the VP of Customer Success at Palo Alto Networks. So Shriki, why don't you tell me your story in your own words? Sounds good. So I'll start with saying people call me Shriki. My first name is Gilad, but I go by Shriki, so that's fine. So I actually started as a software developer in the back then in the Israeli military. But then I moved through different milestones. So being a little bit of a software de- developer, then I went to become a product manager, worked for, uh, for McAfee. In- and then I switched to customer success or services, the entire services organization in, in uh, the Misto. And then when we were acquired by Palo Alto Networks, I basically took over the VP of customer success for the Cortex line, lines of business. So I think throughout the time, I, I realized I like working with people than compilers. So I've been through like developer, product manager and services. And, and really what I like working is with customers and enabling them and educating them to use products. So that's a decade. So if I count it like McAfee around 2011, 2015 or 16 around when you went into Demisto mm-hmm. and then 2019 you got acquired into Palo Alto Networks. So three years at Palo Alto Networks. Yes. So those were like you started as a product manager and then you were doing at a startup at a long tenure and suddenly you are in a very large company yes. for auto networks yes. right and you are the vp of customer success for a product where the ceo has put their bets on this product and you are in the enterprise limelight explain me your role how does your role look it, like at customer success it was an interesting realization so moving from a startup we would be able to treat every customer with white gloves and basically do whatever it takes to them into this transition of of efficiency and scaling motions. Let's let's just for the benefit of our audience, let's go back to 2016 first. You start you start working in Demisto. Let's first describe as a baseline for yeah. the audience. What was the product at Demisto? So Demisto was an, a security operation center orchestration product. So basically taking the actions of a SOC analyst and trying to help him with automations and re- repeatable automations for their mundane tasks and also a case management for all the incidents that they're managing. The idea was basically to bring efficiency and repeatability and consistency to the SOC of a large-scale enterprise. Mm -hmm. That was the Misto. And when we started, I came on board the Misto. We had maybe nine or eight customers. So each customer was a world of itself. And, you know, we spent a lot of time with each of them. And the Vista was a complicated product to deploy. So we worked a lot. And the team that we created actually was a bit unique in terms of services. We actually hired software developers mm-hmm. as customer success team. Because we needed to customize, we needed to integrate, we need to build, we need to build things for our customers. So that was the Misto in first days. 2019, you yeah. guys get acquired. Now yeah. you have how many customers were there when you were at few hundreds? few hundreds at but, the time of acquisition yeah but big ones right talking about the so you were already as a medium-sized company 
Yeah, so we were, I had a team of maybe, I would say 40 or 50, roughly. Uh, customer success, it was mostly engineers and architects. We were acquired and that was an interesting process. First of all, Palo Alto has, you know, many more customers, right? 60,000 customers. So now we're talking about addressing at scale. How do you do customer success at scale from a point where we have a customer success engineer on, on like 10 customers to now have hundreds of, hundreds of customers that sometimes you're unable to hire enough to manage them, to help them, to enable them. That was a, a journey that we went through. Mm-hmm. So now you have this, right? Such a, such a big company. You were at Demisto, and I think you told me a story about Demisto earlier that you used Demisto product yes. to automate a lot of job of customer success at Demisto, right? And and I think we have discussed some of these stories with Rishi and in other podcasts. But I want to comment that now you come into a large organization at the Palo Alto Networks, and now you have to kind of standardize your tooling, deploy yeah. another tooling. And and basically, so what did you start to look for? Like what what was the tool? What were you looking for? Like is the tools came to you, or you were looking for something? So I think first of all, yes, in the Misto we used the Misto to manage a lot of the customer lifecycle because at some point we said we need an automation tool to manage the customer lifecycle, and we had the Misto. And guess what? The Misto was free, and I like free tools, so we used the Misto. <laughs> And also, guess what? We had the best team in the world to deploy the Misto in our organization. So we used that too. When we came into Palo Alto Networks, obviously the Misto is a security operation center focused product. It's not your typical customer success product. So now we're talking about looking in the broader scale of, of Palo Alto Networks. And what do we do? Palo Alto Networks has other products to manage the CRM aspects, the customer success aspects, the professional services aspects, and the support aspects. So different products, How do you, what do you do there? Eventually we had to align into one ecosystem with products that talk between themselves. We kept the Misto in that middle for some time, like talking with Salesforce, with you know services products, with ticketing systems. But the long-term project was to actually use a standardized customer success tool for that. Okay, so let's come to that. And you were asked to set up a customer success tool, right? Yes. Uh, How much time it took for you to set that up? That's a sore point. I mean, the tools today, if you look on the customer success, the, the, the conventional customer success tools today, at the essence, rely on customers on a customer success manager, and that had a lot of challenges because, as a public company, you now look on efficiency, you look at scale, and you just cannot hire that many customer success managers. So now I looked for a product that can automate things, and guess what? The conventional tools are not best at that. Actually, let's let's stay on that point. There is there are two things you're talking about. One whose job you automate? What do you automate? Essentially, the question was, when you are talking about customer, first let's go back. What does the customer success process looks like? Yeah. Broadly, 
So, so I think it's, it's actually to get the, the answer for those two questions are the same, right? Because at the end of the day, customer has a journey, right? So from the sales aspect all the way through, through renewals and, you know, the customer lifetime process is a journey. And that journey can be instrumented by people who are talking with a customer and telling them, do this, do that, you need to do that or with automated tools. And when I'm saying, what did I automate? We wanted to automate that engagement, that journey. So if I know a customer is struggling in a milestone and I need to move them to the next one, I would have a customer success manager set up a call and guide them through that with an architect or an engineer. I wanted to automate that, send them an email with help, with digital assets to help them go through that. And if they fail with that, then set up the call. That's what we really wanted to automate. On top of that, visibility. Instead of 300 customers, now you have 6,000 customers. How do you know which, where each customer is at, right? A lot of these tools today use customer success manager to update status calls, update you know, QBRs and tell the tool where the customer is, but we just cannot rely on that because we don't have enough people. So we need to automate the visibility into where are the customers, where is the risk? for churn, for retention. So that's, that's, you said something interesting. So the approach, if I get it correctly, of the customer success tool that you were using was that, look, there is a journey and I mean, there was no visualization journey, but you say a gen standard customer success guy should be doing these 10 tasks in the queue and keep reminding him if he has or she has finished the 10 tasks or not irrespective of where the customer is or not you basically believe that in the first three months you got the customer deployed yes and the customer success guy will be automated to remind the task have you done this task if you're not set up a meeting do this Correct. do that do that yes it is not correlated to largely correlated to what how the customer's situation is as it is available in the product right so, so there's there's a problem with data each every company i've been through had a problem with data so, you know, it started with on-prem, right? How do you know where the customer is in the journey if it's on-prem? But also, how do you instrument the signals from these products to know even if they're SaaS, if they're on your cloud, how do you know where they are? So yeah, that's exactly what we needed to do. How do we know where the customer is in order to identify a risk or in order to identify an opportunity to move them forward in their journey? Describe me with an example, like what that journey process looks like. Is it about a time by based view or is it based on what the activity somebody, a customer has to do rather than a yeah. customer success engineer has to do? So, so I'll give you an example today from Disco, right? So we monitor customers, customers sign up to the product, right? To, to our service, we have that, so we have all the data in our data warehouse. At some point, I need to see that the customer logged in to our console, right? And then at some point, I need to see some traffic from their users, right? Discope is an authentication platform. So basically, it's we're giving an app developer a way to authenticate their user. So at one point, I need to see the Discoper, the, the our user, logging into our console. And the other point is, and usually we're talking about, you know, a few days, we want to see traffic from their application. And that's something we need to instrument, right? Because if there are 500 users now, I have to instrument that. And that is time-based. 
usually, right? Usually I would say, I want the user from the sign-up, I want to see them within a few days signed in and playing with our features. And then within, you know, a week, I want to see some traffic. If I don't see traffic, this is a problem, right? Because it tells me either they just sign up and went away and don't really care, or they're struggling. Either way, I want to know and I need to check. So this can trigger a playbook to say, hey, do we see any errors in the database? So you're moving away from the existing approach where you're saying, in five days, the user must go there, otherwise I will set up a call. You're saying, no, 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 no. I am saying customer does this activity and the customer will go to the next stage of activity. In between, they may take two, three days or five days. Yeah. Your job is if they don't take, if they take action, it's two, three days, fine. If they don't take action in five days, then you will nudge them till the point they take this action. Exactly. If you, they don't take an action for 15, 20 days, then yeah. you will involve the human to kind of figure out what's the problem is, exactly. which is kind of an approach where it's inverted on time. Let, let's actually examine this. Why the existing customer success tool don't do this? I think you told me that I think one of the hardest part for most customer success tools is to just get the data from the product. How much on the average, the time you, I mean, you have experienced a lot of customer success tools, how much time they generally take to just get the data? So it's, it depends. So either we bring them the data into their customer success tool. Let's say what, what do you mean by bringing in the data? So let's say Gainsight, right? You can integrate with Gainsight and push activity into Gainsight. That itself is a big project, okay? Give me a sense of time, like one uh, week, two weeks, No, so we, it took us month to, to even design the right integration with Gainsight, yes. Month to just design? Yes, yes, and, 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 and then, you know, it's, it's a big project, these things. And even then, when it highlighted the risk, it took us even longer to implement an automated email. Wow. Yes. Because at first, what it would do, it would create a CTA for the CSM, CTA, call to action. So CTA for the CSM to implement the email. To, to send an email to the user to reach out. And, you know, today in the tools that I'm looking for, there is, so the last resort is the person, right? The last resort is I cannot automate that fix, that motion. I need a person, right? All the way between what's happening to when I need to have a human interaction, there are a lot of opportunities to automate and that's what we're doing. So you're saying that there was this notion of a customer journey existed in your mind, in your documents, but it did not exist in the tool. It took time to implement it in the tool. You had it's to not the easy. Yeah, it was not it was not easy. And I can tell you it took us I don't want to disclose any, you know numbers, but it's a lot of money PS from these companies to implement these things. So you need developers, you need work on that. Got it. So le let's go to the next topic. Let's say it's a hard, but now you talked about that you want to send emails, right? Communicate. Why it's important? Like wh what's the role of these nudges and communication to the end user from a customer success perspective? So one is, you know, everybody is, is, is busy, right? So Again, example from Disco, if, they, if, if I don't see traffic, then again, either they, they forgot about Disco, they wanted to sign up, they, they sign up, they wanted to check it out, but they forgot, they didn't have time, they got busy, they got distracted. So an email can say, hey, this is what you can do with Disco. So to remind them, what are the value points and what is the 
what are what, what can they achieve with the product? That's one. The other one is if they face problems, I can help them, right? A lot of people today, especially you know, in this day or age, they'll go Google, they'll look for different places, but if I can identify where they are struggling it, where they are struggling in, and immediately deliver them an email that tells them, hey guys, you try to do that, this setting is missing in your project, put these settings in and you'll be good, that's gold. What you're saying is, I mean, email is one thing, you might send them WhatsApp messages or text messages, but what you're saying is, if you knew where they were stuck, and what they were supposed to do, yes. which it goes back to your notion of your ideal journey and in journey Correct. where they are, then you can do a lot of those things. But, but if you don't have that modeling. It's not only the modeling, it's the journey is the definition, but in order to place the customer on the journey and to identify where they are struggling with, you need to have the data. You need to have the signals from the product. Without that, it's just a paper, the journey. And then you have a person calling them with that, what are you doing now? What did you do yesterday? What do you want to do tomorrow? I don't want that person. I want them to instrument that journey. And data is number one priority for that. Journey. Got it. It's a data-driven automation. Yes. Got it. So let's talk about something very interesting, which has some of my colleagues, even in sales engineering, as well as customer success engineering, have talked to me about that that customer success is the part where most of the revenue is made by most companies. Most companies, when they start with a new account, they will buy small and then they will grow after the customer success journey based on how you guys perform in customer success. And some many a times I've heard that customer success guys are given a responsibility that you are managing a product, we want to introduce another product and we want to market to them. And you guys have the responsibility. And I sometimes wonder, you guys, your team like, has a responsibility from a technical enablement. You are kind of a, not a sales guy, but you are asked to do sales when you have taken their trust. How easy, difficult it is and what's the value of that work? So this is a very good point. And when you go out and look at customer success teams, there are basically two camps. The camp of a complaint for CS and the camp for not. And I think in general, customer success should become a trusted advisor of the customer, right? And by all means, should never try to pitch or sell something that they're not seeing the absolute value for the customer. And when they're coming from this place of a trusted advisor, somebody who knows the customer environment and knows the customer use cases and the value needed, then yes, we can suggest, I, I, I intentionally not using the word pitch, we can suggest project, product, features of a product that can increase the usage. At the end of the day, if you look on the metrics of customer success, what are they? They are deployment rates, rates, consumption, obviously renewal and churn, but I think these are, these are, these are the results of consumption, adoption, value-driven. Um, and as customer success drive customer to more consumption, to more value out of products, they become trusted advisor and they have a place to suggest more value from more products if they are. So which camp you are in? In the compliant camp or non-compliant? I am against compliant. I will say that. Okay. So then, then let's say you are against compliant. You want to be the suggested advisor where the customer success 
kind of retains that independence and the value yeah. of coming not coming across as the guys who are out as to itself. please yeah. the customer by taking their trust yes but business has its reality and it has need so what will you do you will say hey this guy wants to have a meeting would you be open to have a meeting or i believe there is that you can if you have a need if you want to use i can do it but i'm not going to force it i will just let you how do you approach those things so my approach is usually customer success teams should be measured by these metrics that i've mentioned and not money okay meaning i do want to measure and and it can drive mbos or or or, or bonuses that are monetized eventually right but the metrics i believe should be value metrics so again time to value employment rates adoption rates renewal rates no money on a person which means this you can drive you can drive usage of the product without being conked by money the product makes i think that is eventually creating a customer success that is those trusted advisor to the user but you also have retention targets right you also have retention goal the customer should be retained eventually i mean yes. what's the point of yes. doing all of these things if the customer walks away right and you would try to engage them how do you basically how, how do you want the data to play a role because you're a data guy you said data driven automation what then you would be looking for signals coming out of data to say that is what i need to do so that future in Dents can be taken care of. If you look on retention, at the end of the day, it's a result of something, right? We, we, I always said, a customer will renew if they see value, and will not renew if they don't see value. Now, if the time to value is, you know, one year, they might not renew in the end of the year because they didn't hit value. So I always say the money metrics, the revenue metrics, the renewal, the the, the retention dollar. metrics are driven by the customer success hardcore metrics that's what that's number one so if you measure customer success team by these metrics the retention will follow i believe it's funny because we had few areas where a customer says we don't have budget anymore so if a customer does not have budget for your product how do you market in the churn let me ask you that because there's few few ideas out there how do you do is this is this an is this something you is this uncontrolled churn let me ask you this i don't know so if customer calls you say hey yeah it, yeah it would it may be a control churn because there are a few things you can do you can basically if you don't have a budget i and if you still need i i still can see because i have worked with the organization that you have a need right let me see and talk to my sales guy so what how can what i can do to retain you i'm going i'm going one step before so i'm saying if the customer come to me and tell me i don't have budget to your product it tells me it doesn't value it like what you're pricing it right if the product would have bring you so much value that you would say if i'm giving away this product i need to have three person now then they would find the budget that's what i'm saying so when somebody say hey this customer churn because they have no budget let's market the sun control that's you know that's bs that's not the right approach the approach is to understand why didn't they see the value to budget the project the product got it so let's me go to the last question that i have 
I always come back to this. I have been a product manager that was that has been something what I have done as a career now. Whether and I ask this question to a lot of sales engineering teams, sales engineering leaders that what can I do to make your product easier, life easier? Do product managers should be measured, given an incentive to make products simpler so which can we can have an easier yeah. customer success process? Yes. So the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, product management and product managers have a huge responsibility to make products that makes customer success redundant. <laughs> Replay that. <laughs> I already said, I want product managers and engineering to create a product that I will be out of a job. That's the intention. Because it means it's intuitive, it's easy, it's working good, and customers see great value. That's their role. Now, obviously, we all live in a realistic world. And, and most uh, enterprise products are required customization. We know correct, that. correct. And, and, and at the end of the day, but I still think when you look customer success, so product manager is a, has a responsibility of the success of the product. Now, let's say I have unlimited money. I can hire as many customer success managers as I need because the product requires huge effort to deploy. You can say, yeah, that's good. It's successful. But when you look at the numbers, then efficiency and, you know, and profit is not good, right? Because you hire so many customer success people to deploy the product. And at the end of the day, product managers are responsible to the success of the product, which means they also need to look on how customers utilize the product, deploy the product, what's the process, and how much effort we need to invest, whether it's the customer or the services are. Got it. So thanks, as you, yes. as you would like prefer to be called. Thanks for spending the time with me. It was great having you on the show. Thanks for having me.